Here's a quick reminder. Don't forget you have until November 26th to enter our Spark Joy giveaway. We'll announce our winners during our best of show on December the 3rd. Head over to sparkjoypodcast.com forward slash reviews for instructions on how to leave a star rating and written review on iTunes. Then shoot an email to contact at sparkjoypodcast.com with your username for a chance to win one of six coveted Kanmari themed prizes. That's SparkJoy in celebration of our two-year anniversary. Thanks again for your support. Now it's time for the show. Welcome to SparkJoy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now here's the show. Jen Smith is the creator of ModernFrugality.com, co-host of the Frugal Friends podcast, and author of Amazon best-selling book, The No-Spin Challenge Guide. Her latest book, Pay Off Your Debt for Good, explores how to sustain the journey to paying off debt and reaching other big financial goals. Jen joins us today to share modern ways we can work toward our financial vision by applying concepts of frugality. Welcome, Jen. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Welcome. We are so grateful to have you join us today to unpack some finance-related material here. As a proud member of the larger financial independence community or five movement, I'm familiar with frugality as like a sub-movement of that. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't describe myself as a frugalist, but I might be maybe a reluctant frugalist, but I do enjoy the intersection between clutter in the home and how that informs the clutter that may be showing up in our financial picture. So I'm super curious about what led you down this path of embracing frugality. Yeah. Well, as somebody who practices the KonMari method, you're probably more frugal than you give yourself credit for, or at least in my (laughs) eyes. I mean, I started out maybe... I considered myself frugal, but I think I had more of a scarcity mindset like for my entire life. And it wasn't until my husband and I committed to paying off our student loans and our car debt that I really discovered what true frugality is. And we had $78,000 of debt between the two of us. And it's the first thing that we did when we got married. And it was a almost two-year journey but we paid off all 78000 in 23 months. And through those 23 months, I really got a crash course in what I valued, what I wanted to spend money on, what was not worth spending money on to me, and all the things that I really have come to believe frugality truly is. You know, I have to start by saying that there was a time in my life about 20 years ago when I had decided that I was going to make some major changes and I wanted to finally pay off my student loans. And I decided that I was just going to live a very, what to me was a very frugal lifestyle. I started by, I sold an antique dog collection that I had had for years that was really no longer a part of my life. I put a lot of effort into trying to spend as little as possible every single day, trying to save, you know, do I really need to buy this? 
Could I do something else? Is that really what I want to do? Or do I want to put this toward my debt? And I did that for probably about a year. And I have to tell you, it was probably one of the happiest times in my life. It was fun. I felt that I was on a mission. And, you know, it was just so great to have accomplished that goal and to see that I actually had this power to make those choices. That spending wasn't just something I just had to do. I so appreciate the work that you're doing. But I'm really curious, before you decided to begin living this lifestyle, what kinds of things did you spend money on? Were you like, you know, did you spend a lot of money? Have you always been conscientious of what you were spending? So I was more of the person that wouldn't spend money on the big things. So things that probably would have really improved my life. But I would spend like money willy-nilly on Target purchases, Starbucks drive through like stops here and there at the gas station. But in my mind, I could not afford to take a vacation uh. or do self-care. And so that was my mindset. I thought that was a part of the scarcity mindset that I had. I thought I was broke, but for some reason, I couldn't save any money or pay off my debt because I didn't have any money left in my paycheck Mm -hmm. because I was spending it mostly on Starbucks. And for being honest, that's still something I talk about today. (laughs) It sounds as though your philosophy is really a little bit of a twist on frugality. Most people think of frugality as living this, you know, kind of austere life. And, you know, depriving yourself all of the time and maybe even that term penny pitching, which is Mm. not a good term, but it's, you know, something I think comes to mind. So what is a day in the life of you as a frugal person like? Yeah. So when you talk about your experience, like being frugal, that's so encouraging to me because when I think of frugality, I think of it as being life-giving, empowering. It's having control over your spending and knowing, having the confidence that you are spending on only the things that you want to spend on. So you've overcome impulse spending habits. You have identified the things that you really value and love. Like you could also call frugality a values-based spending system. So you are just really in control of everything you're spending money on versus being cheap where sometimes sacrificing stuff like just to save a little money really does lower your quality of life. And that's how a lot of people view frugality is being inconvenient, cheap, like skimping out on the tip at a restaurant. But when really frugality is just going out less so that you can afford to be more generous to whatever server you get at your restaurant. So it's this total mindset shift. And frugality is so freeing in that. And I just, I love it. I love to talk about it. And I also love to talk about like, I have these like four pillars of frugality, I like to call them. So like it's values-based spending, minimalism. So you can't really save money if you're just spending on less expensive items. Like you save more by just not buying as many items. And then it's also environmentally friendly because you're buying secondhand more. And it's also simpler. So you have less clutter around you because you're buying less. And so your life just feels simpler and cleaner. So yeah, that's how I view... That's a, a winded version of how I view frugality. I think it's a really important distinction that you made. I always uh, think about the example of a vacuum cleaner when I think of frugality (laughs) of all things. So 
I think of, and I know people who would never pay more than $50, $100 on a vacuum, for example. Mm-hmm. And they would either spend money regularly to repair it frequently, or they would buy multiple $70, $80, $100 vacuums over mm-hmm. their lifetime. Whereas I know people who make decisions off of value and quality who would jump to spending a higher price tag on something with a higher value because I know that I'll have that vacuum for a lifetime or it has a warranty attached to it or something like that. And I'm okay with spending more. Where do you think you fall like in that spectrum, I guess? And how does that connect to this value-based spending idea? Yeah. So I am all for buying quality because not only does it save you money in the long run, it also saves you time. And time is valuable. And so that's time you save shopping for vacuums, time you save researching them, all that. To be completely honest, we got our vacuum on the side of a dumpster. And it was a really good quality vacuum, but it just needed to be cleaned. Mm -hmm. So my husband picked it up, cleaned it, works like a dream. And sometimes that happens too. Like You can find things on Facebook Marketplace that are secondhand, Mm -hmm. and they just need to be cleaned a little bit or, or tweaked a bit. And it's a really great quality product, but the previous owner just didn't want to put the time in to optimize it or maintain it. And you can do that and have the high quality product for a lesser price and you get the best of both worlds. So yeah. So true. And I I mean, probably obvious, I I have a Dyson and (laughs) I just found out recently that you have to rinse the filter every, it's either three or six months. (laughs) When I went to a... I can't clean workshop that Saya Hillman, who we've had on show, had recently. And all of her tips like blew my mind, but that was one of them. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I, I haven't been taking care of my baby. I've got to like rinse her and keep her clean. So, right. Yeah, it's, so true. It's crazy what a little maintenance will do for your overall budget. Right. It extends the life of your very expensive appliances and items so much longer. Mm hmm. Yeah. Very cool. So, how do you distinguish traditional frugality versus modern frugality? So, traditional frugality has that negative connotation because I, in the personal finance space, entrepreneurship, making money, side hustling, financial independence, retiring early, that's all like super sexy. And frugality is kind of like the stepsister in the corner that's just kind of like, man, you shouldn't be spending that. Like just being like weird and nerdy over in the corner. And I wanted to like bring her out of her shell and just have frugality be one of those things that people are proud to say they're frugal and not just in an ironic way, but like saying they're frugal because they know they have control over their spending and they have essentially self-control and discipline and all that. And so it's kind of like this self-affirming title to be frugal. And that to me is what modern frugality is. Very cool. And we know you're a big fan of Kanmari. So when did you first encounter the life-changing magic of Marie Kondo? I read her book on a plane a few years ago. And I'm not in the habit of finishing books. I'm in the habit of starting them and like just stopping a few chapters in. But I read her book on an entire trip. So like flight up, I don't even remember where I was going, but like flight up, flight back. By the time I landed at home, I had finished it. And it was so refreshing, even though I love the concept of minimalism, 
it's always refreshing to hear a point of view that is more flexible. I love being flexible in any ideology. And Marie was really saying like, keep things that spark joy, no matter how many things there are. Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's probably going to be fewer things than you think, but keep the things that spark joy because that's really what's important. The point isn't to have two chairs and two cups. Like The point is to live a joyful life. And I really resonated with that mindset. Yeah, I think what distinguishes minimalism, frugality, and Kanmari is really how much variety one is willing to keep around Mm -hmm. in whatever category or whatever thing we're talking about, whether it is, you know, shoes or paper clips, you know, it's all about how many choices that you would like to be exposed to on a daily basis. Yeah. And people love titles. They love to say like, Mm -hmm. I'm this, I'm that. But really, it's all about learning a little bit of everything and seeing what works with your life. And you can fall in the radical middle as I like to say, like, you don't have to define yourself fully by any title. You can take a little bit of everything. Was it hard to balance the Kanmari method with frugalism? Were you able to marry the two well? Or did you have any issues around discarding things and considering that to be a wasteful exercise? I thought they married perfectly. So I read the book and then later my husband watched the series on Netflix. And so we were actually both in the process of figuring out what sparked joy in our lives together. So that was really convenient. But we just went through room by room and started getting rid of things that we didn't use. And so for me, joy comes in practicality. So the things that spark joy for me are really the things that I can rationalize in my head that I will get used for. And that's part of the reason why I love minimalism. I like just having useful things around me and uh, especially things that have multiple uses. So we went through that and then we went through the folding and people like underestimate how intricate the folding is going to be, especially to maintain, because we have been maintaining it for almost a year. Mm -hmm. And I have been super impressed, (laughs) especially with my husband, who is still folding this way. But the folding really did make a difference for me. And it's probably the thing that has stuck with me the most, which is not what I expected. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people are surprised by that. And I hear that. But I still fold, you know, no matter what, if everything else is falling apart in the home, everyone says they still fold. And yes. I love how the exercise of this folding, it's a little strange. It catches your attention. I think that's the point of it is that it shifts you into looking at things differently. And if you can look at the way you fold your clothes differently, mm-hmm. you can maybe make some more complicated choices about other things that you're keeping mm-hmm. around you. So it's a great gateway, but it really does stick with people. Yeah. And it's the thing people want to skip because they're like, oh, I can get on board with getting rid of things, but I'm Mm -hmm. just going to keep folding things the way I normally do. But if you really dive in and like change everything, it's one of the concepts I write about in my book, The No Spend Challenge Guide. If you dive in and you change everything at once, even just for a short period of time, like for a month, you realize things about yourself and the way you live life on a day-to-day basis that 
would have really been hard to notice if you just kept practicing the same habits every day. Just by changing like small things, even for a short amount of time, like you don't have to commit to doing the folding, you know, for the rest of your life. But even if you try it for a little while, you'll really be surprised at the things you learn about yourself and your practices. And I think that in itself is worth trying it. The question, does it spark joy, is a simple one, but not so easy to execute alone. Extend your tidying experience by joining the Spark Joy Club, our online community filled with our clients, fellow listeners, and Kamari enthusiasts ready to support your journey. If you find yourself buried under clothing, stuck on storage, or pointing fingers at untidy housemates or family members, we want to help you finish your tidying journey once and for all. Support the show at the Joy Riser level and receive access to our exclusive virtual community, as well as the Tidy Home Joy Journal, your number one tidying companion. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click on Join the Club to get started. And now back to the show. I have to agree about the folding, but what I find so interesting about the way people perceive that is that I think that a lot of people discover KonMari because they saw something about folding. But then a lot of times when I'm working with clients, I'll be like, okay, so we're going to we'll fold all this like this. And they'll be like, oh, no, I'm never going to keep that up. That'll never mm-hmm. last. I'm like, okay, well, let's just get it set up once. And if it doesn't last, it doesn't last, you know. But And by the time they get their drawer all together and it looks beautiful and they've mastered some of the techniques, it's like, okay, well, this isn't so hard after all. But you're right. It's just really that idea of, you know, just give it a try. If it doesn't work, then, you know, try something else. And most of the time, yeah, for us, it did stick. We keep folding our clothes that way because it still looks beautiful and it's still useful. Yes. And yeah, but you just have to get over that initial hurdle of like breaking that mindset and just doing it. Right. Well, I really love your quote. Let me read this. I follow value-based spending, which is essentially spending without guilt on things that spark joy and eliminating or lowering spending on everything else. The first thing I thought of when I read that was a recent experience I had with Ziploc bags. (laughs) (laughs) We've been buying the store brand for like ever. And I, for whatever reason, they weren't available. So I bought like the the name brand kind, oh my gosh, they're so much better. <laughs> and they've lasted so much longer. You know, I'll never try to save, you know, a dime or a quarter here and there when something I know is not going to be as good. And I'm also very brand loyal to certain things. And I just know that that if I were to try to get something less expensive with certain toiletries or whatever, it would not work for me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we talk about this idea of uh, uh, quality, not quantity, mm-hmm. and you know, fewer better things are some of the catchphrases I think we people are talking about a lot. So I, I think you're just really right on with this idea. Can you give us some idea of how this works? How do you determine what those values are and how to determine what kinds of things are working for you and what won't? Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons people think so negatively about frugality is because of the nickel and diming. They think they have to use all of the store brand and all of the cheap things and just lower their quality of life in order to save money. But that is absolutely not the case. I am really passionate about focusing on the big four. So that would be housing, transportation, bills, and food. 
And these are the biggest expenses in your budget. You know, your mortgage and your rent is by far higher than anything else. So if you can come up with one way to lower your spending on rent or to have somebody else pay part of your mortgage, then you could save more like in a month than you could on sacrificing lattes in a whole year. And just making these small, like singular changes that will make a bigger impact is more important than saving a dollar or 25 cents here or there. But it obviously takes time to figure out which of those changes will work for you. Like I have an article with 200 ways to save money and not every way is going to work for you. Like only some of them. And so it takes time to figure out of trying this, trying that, to see what's going to work for you, to see what kind of plastic bags you value. I mean, like I don't really care about plastic bags because I don't use them a lot. So I use the store brand. But I got name brand toilet paper in my bathroom right now because I value that. And so it's deciding like what you value and it's going to be different for everyone. It's going to take time to figure it out. And it's just starting the process as soon as possible to figure those things out. And then when you do figure them out, spending on them without guilt because that's a big thing. Like when I started budgeting and spending less money, I would feel guilty spending on anything, even if it wasn't my budget, because I felt like all my money should be going towards debt, or I would feel anxious that, oh, I'm spending this money, but I might go over my budget. So once you figure out what works for you, releasing the guilt that could come with that spending, whether it's self-imposed or family-imposed, and just having freedom in owning your choices. I think that's so important. And I like your approach. You have a gentler approach to frugality where it's like, here's all the options, but you acknowledge that maybe most of those won't be a fit. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've viewed frugality from an interesting lens because I've only been exposed to the most extreme examples because those are the ones that get the most attention, you know, like the mm-hmm. people cutting their own hair and experimenting <laughs> and cutting their spouse's hair as well. Oh my goodness. Or, God, nobody wants me cutting their hair. Absolutely yeah. not. Nobody. Or trying to cut their dog's hair or, <laughs> you know, the cat beds being drugged into the home from the dumpster or the whole alley will provide movement. You know, I, I just like sometimes <laughs> can't. Oh, I've never heard that one. Before. Oh yeah. The alley will provide. The alley That's will a big provide. One. Mm-hmm. I That's love a big it. One. Wow. I love it. It's an interesting direction, you know, no judgment <laughs> here. I just can't embrace it myself. So I immediately say, okay, I must not be in this this label, as you were saying, of frugality. Are the tips that you shared, are those some of the ones that you share in your payoff, your debt for good book? Like, how do you kind of tie frugality to that debt payment goal? Because that's one I definitely have for myself. Yeah. So the book is about how to sustain the journey to paying off debt. And it's a long journey. For most people, a lot of people have six figures of debt or they have a lot of consumer debt that's at a high interest rate. And it's not a few month journey. Sometimes like for us, it was several years. And nobody talks about the mental and physical toll it takes on you to live an alternative lifestyle, like a lifestyle that's so different from what you were doing 
just to make a, a 180 so quickly and do that for so long. And so the book has a lot of tips on how to gain motivation, how to keep going even when you don't have motivation, how to break and build habits, and then also some tips on specifically how to lower costs of the big four that I call the big four. So frugality is a a smaller part because I feel like so many other authors cover make a budget, spend less, make money that I wanted to cover aspects of that and then aspects outside of that. I'm really fascinated by this goal that you and your husband achieved of paying down $78,000 of debt in two years. I imagine you go into this a little bit more specifically in your book, Pay Off Your Debt for Good. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So during the two years that we spent paying off the $78,000, that's a lot of money. And so that was a total lifestyle mindset, everything shift from the lifestyle we had been living to what we were living when we were paying it off. And so everybody had a book or a course about how to pay off debt. And it was essentially stop spending money, make a budget, get a side hustle, pay off debt. That was your four-step plan to becoming debt-free. But nobody talked about the multiple-year journey that it would take to accomplish all those steps. And I felt isolated for you know changing my lifestyle to be more frugal. And there were days that I was just not motivated. And I had to come to terms with my spending habits. At one point, I contracted shingles because I was working so hard. I thought I could out-earn my spending. And I realized that wasn't the case because I contracted shingles out of stress. And so, so many things came to light. And so I just wanted to write a book that helped people through the journey of paying off debt. So it's a 21-day guide, and it is not meant to be done in just 21 straight days. It's just people seem to digest time periods better. So I wanted it to be easily digestible. So it's on how to get motivated, how to keep going when you're not motivated, how to build and break habits, and how to lower spending on the big four, how to make money that will help you pay off debt, and how to plan for making money that will build long-term wealth, and how to differentiate each. So it's all these things kind of demystifying all of the free blog posts that you can read on the internet and helping you actually pay off your debt for good, not just start the journey and fall off the wagon or pay off debt and go back into debt, but actually get it done, get it paid off, and have a plan for the future. And so I'm so excited to share it with everyone. Fantastic. And I love how this episode really completes the trilogy of financial discussions that we have here on SparkJoy Podcast. So we should definitely mention that we have episode six that talks about decluttering your path to wealth. We had guest Tess Wicks on to talk about finances. And we also have SparkJoy episode 58, where we had House of Fi or House of Financial Independence, where we had Tamika and Wendy kind of break down the big Fi concepts and how we can really lead with a wealth mindset. So thank you so much, Jennifer. And we want to close by asking you a couple of questions and really tying back the work you've done with frugality to the work you've done with tidying. So we'll start with what is your favorite tidying tip 
for people wanting to live a life of modern frugality? So the easiest thing, and I don't know if this is the most constructive, but it's the easiest. And so I say if it's easy, people will do it, but is to clear your surfaces. I think that if you can just clear your coffee table, your counter, your TV stand, just clear your surfaces and make things kind of look a little clearer, it makes things seem more manageable. And so then you can start to manage the rest of your clutter. You can start to manage your schedule and manage your finances. And you won't feel like you are in this cloud of clutter. That's my easiest tip. I love that. That's also a tip that we talk a lot about in in Kanmai, this idea that flat surfaces should be for activities only Mm -hmm. instead of storing things. So I think we've all experienced the... uh, the serenity of a cleared dining room table. So we're totally on board with that. Yes. So we have to ask at this very moment, what sparks the most joy in your life? So I'm a new mom. I have a four and a half month old. And Ah. so, yeah, I have to say, actually seeing my husband become a dad has brought me the most joy lately. Like just seeing them, my son and my husband interact with each other has just like warmed my heart more than I ever anticipated. It's my absolute favorite thing right now. Oh, that's really great. And congratulations on your new baby. Thank you. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for listeners who are working toward greater financial freedom? Find the brand of financial freedom that works for you. I mean, you can read all about financial independence and retiring early. You can read about internet entrepreneurs and even frugality. But at the end of the day, the thing that's going to work for you is the thing that you design yourself. So take bits and pieces from everyone and make it fit into your life. Don't isolate yourself on the path to financial independence or frugality for the sake of the goal but really make the goal work for your life. Oh, Jen, thanks so much. It was so great to hear your journey and your story and your amazing ideas around how to live a more financially independent life. I'm so glad to be here. So fun. You can find Jen at modernfrugality.com. She's also on Instagram and Facebook under Modern Frugality. Exclusively for SparkJoy podcast listeners, you can head over to modernfrugality.com forward slash debt-free workbook and get the free workbook that walks you through each activity in Jen's new book. You can get her books, The No Spin Challenge Guide, and her latest book, Pay Off Your Debt for Good on Amazon. Links will be in the show notes. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. Head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe and review the show, which helps us reach others along their tidying journeys. To extend your tidying experience, you can join the SparkJoy Club. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click join the club to become a member of the SparkJoy community or join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivy of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago 
and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media, Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media, Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.